Welcome to Combo Keepers, where we talk about combo characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we return with another episode of one of my most favorite formats of the show. Crisis. 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 On Infinite Crossovers. That's right. We return to Crisis on Infinite Crossovers, which means we're going to be talking about one of our favorite inter-publisher crossovers in the industry. But in order to talk about that crossover, I needed to bring on a friend. I needed to bring on someone that is going to be talking about a very cool project coming to Kickstarter. Or actually, it's already started on Kickstarter as of the date of this recording. I am happy to welcome Ray Cabernet to the show. Welcome in, Ray. Howdy. I love that intro, by the way. Thanks, <laughs> it's so cool. Uh-huh. It's fun times. Ray, I wanted to bring you on because you have a Kickstarter that the day that this episode releases on the 27th, your Kickstarter will be starting on September 26th. So after everyone listens to this episode, they'll be able to click a link in the show notes to go straight to your Kickstarter. But before we talk about that Kickstarter in particular... Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? What what got you in the comic medium? What what bit you with that comic bug? I, like a lot of people listening and probably yourself, read comics as a kid. I didn't really have many of my own. I'd go to the library and drugstores, you know, they have the, the $2 comics in the back. Um, but in the last three or four years, I really got into illustration Um, I was a window cleaner in Las Vegas and I was out there to be a climber and I had all this extra free time, you know, in my downtime, I'm not much of a series watcher or movie watcher. So I just started drawing and then the bug of illustration itself really bit me. A lot of YouTube content creators, educators, it just, it's such like a, it's such a craft, like illustration itself is such a a process-based craft. And I dig, I grew up in an auto shop, so I love mechanical process-based stuff. And I just got into the, into the flow of wanting to get better. And then that led me, you know, everything kind of comes full circle. When you find something that you like, you tend to bring it back into things that you really love. I was like, well, I love stories. I love comics. Uh, it was just kind of the natural progression for me. We ended up meeting each other because at San Diego Comic-Con this last year, or this year, earlier this year, yeah. <laughs> uh, you actually ran into a buddy of ours, uh, Weston, a.k.a. Arcane Anthems, who created our original theme song for this podcast. He ran into you and then messaged me and said, hey, you need to meet this Ray guy. I just met him in line. He's like a really <laughs> sick artist. You need you need to check out his stuff. So we met up at the Lesser Known Comics booth at San Diego Comic-Con. Could you let us know a little bit about what Lesser Known Comics is? Yeah, um, Lesser Known Comics is, it's very, I want to say like on the punk rock side of things, as far as how we go about it, we're very slap posters up on, on in bathrooms, kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, anarcho style of, of uh, marketing. But Lesser Known Comics was started by Mark Bernal, I think three years ago at this point. He really likes comics and... He wanted to write comics. He has like this grander vision of things that he wants to write in the future. So he just started collecting artists online, his friends, and then off of Instagram. And now I think the first year, I think was like two Kickstarters for comics. And I think this year we're on our eighth or ninth, which is, you know, really explosive growth for him. Watching him grow has been really awesome. And outside of lesser known comics, or I guess within the circle, we have 
Rat Brain Zine and also Apollo City Comics, which was Brandon, who you also met at SDCC. Yeah. And I, I believe we might have one more imprint, but I'm blanking on names right now. But yeah, we're we're kind of a collective that Mark likes to describe as a as a publishing company slash hippie commune. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun meeting because I met you, uh, Mark and Brandon from Apollo City Comics at the convention, chatted with the three of you, got along really well. And I was like, I definitely know that we're going to do something together as far as promoting lesser known comics and all of the projects. I'm excited because you are the first of the creators that we will definitely be having on. I'm already talking to Mark about how we can help promote the other projects that are also coming out the rest of this year. So our listeners can look forward to more amazing, like indie creator comics that are definitely worth the read and your support. Ray, you're here because we want to hype up this Kickstarter. You were kind enough to share an early review copy with me of Wastelands number one. I loved this comic. It is <laughs> a you. blast. The writing is very intelligent, but the art is just next level for me. It it brought me into the world. The world building that you do very quickly in this story is exactly what I want from a comic. I want to feel like I understand the world without being told how to understand the world. There's showing and not telling. Why don't you let our listeners know a little bit about what Wastelands number one is? Yeah, that means a lot, by the way. This is, you know, talking about Wastelands, what it is, it is my very first self-illustrated and self-written comic that I've ever done. I've had a little bit of experience helping Mark with some of his stuff, but but this is like the, you know, uh, what do they call it? Your, your opus? Ma- Magnus opus? Yeah, my magnum opus. This is my first piece. Yeah, so Wastelands is about it's it's a spaghetti. It's a cyberpunk spaghetti western. Is the tagline I throw on it. It's the classic tale of you know a lone wanderer coming into a town in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it's you know a dystopian cyberpunk future. And honestly, I think that we're coming back to a point where cyberpunk because. As, as we move forward in society, like technologically and, 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 and all that, um, our idea of what cyberpunk has to is has to progress forward in the future. Otherwise, we're just like, oh, no, we're living in it. Yes, we, we are. We're living in the <laughs> cyberpunk that, you know, dystopia that the 80s thought of. So now we have to come up with a new one. And I think as we move towards these like corporate, you know, entities, giant conglomerates, like we're almost moving into this sense of feudalism uh in in what the future looks like like corporate feudalism and what is that if not the wild west like the wild west was in a way corporate feudalism you did have shares but at the end of the day like companies owned these towns so i thought that it was like a really nice intersection where these two genres could meet um and honestly i i don't credit myself with being an incredibly creative person I stole the story from Marty Robbins' uh, Big Iron, the, the <laughs> iconic track from Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, just a young girl who, who in, instead of a lone ranger, she's a young girl, um, and she's coming to the town for revenge on someone who's in the town and part of a corporate entity. So it, it, it has like those cyberpunk elements, but with that very classic spaghetti western uh, story. Yeah, with, with like a family dynamic thrown in, you get right. some very interesting like cultural 
uh, like blending, I would say in this world, because it's not just what you expect with a Western. There is, I'm, I'm not even going to say what it is because I, I thought it was <laughs> such a fun experience just going in blind. And I want <laughs> lit readers to have that same experience. So I'll, I'll hold back on, on other things I thought were really fun and, and enjoyable. But again, you can click in the show notes the link for the Kickstarter for Wastelands number one. It's going through lesser known comics. Everybody, you definitely want to check out this comic. I can't recommend it enough. I had an absolute blast reading it, and I know you will too. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And thank you to whoever you know decides to throw some money at the project and, and back it. And if, if you don't like, you know, if Wastelands isn't your jam, LKC has stuff coming out all the time. So, you know, stay tuned to all of what we're doing because um, you're going to find something that you like. 100%. Absolutely. So we're doing a Crisis on Infinite Crossovers episode today, which means that we are talking about a an inter-publisher book. This one in particular is between Dark Horse and Archie Comics. Uh, and Ray, you chose this book. So I want you to let our yeah. listeners know what the book is and why you chose this one. Archie versus Predator. It is such an amazing combination of two. It's it's like it's like adding salt to your to your your sweet pastries, you know. It's two things that are opposite flavors. You smash them together and they make each other better. Archie Comics, as you know, and, and probably your listeners, is like the long running, I think since the what, 60s? It's, maybe it's been going for a long 50s. time. Yeah, yeah. Just about high school drama. A bunch of high schooler kids doing all that that fun stuff. And then of course Predator, you know, the the iconic alien horror uh, slasher film basically it's just a, such an amazing combo um, but i chose it because like when i think of inner inner publisher uh, uh comics you think of marvel and dc or or something like that where it's this mix up of characters that are like each other and it's like fun to see them on screen batman and wolverine or whatever batman and tmnt archie is not a horror series and Predator is not a high school drama series. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's out of all of the, the interpublisher uh, crossovers there, it is one of the most unique in that the characters are nothing alike. These stories should not intersect, but they do really well. It's crazy how well the story blends itself together in this crossover, which I was not expecting whatsoever. Just the the juxtaposition of absolute carnage from the Predator side, but the very cartoony <laughs> uh, style illustration from the Archie, because this is like classic Archie illustrated. It, it looks yeah. exactly like it did when you would have first seen that first issue. It looks so good and clean, but it, it gets a whole new flavor when you add in an alien a bounty hunter murderer hobo that is the predator <laughs> the gore i was really surprised how they went for it but the more i researched archie because this is my first time ever reading any archer archie comic mm. uh and i'm glad it's the first one because it it really aligned with what i was reading online about it how even even when it came out it was kind of pushing what you could make a pg comic 
show in the storylines, especially with Betty and Veronica and the relationship with Archie and Jughead. There's just so so many like quick jab jokes that get thrown yeah. in that if you do not pay attention, they go over your head. But if you do pay attention, you're like, whoa, they got away with a lot right here in this <laughs> <Yeah>. moment. <laughs> there was, yeah, I think uh, in one of the art issues, um, she says, you know, call 911. So she calls the police, like Betty calls the police and she's like, uh, and 911 is like, who do you need to, you know, who, who do you need help from? And she said, whoever deals with aliens. And someone's like, oh, uh, I'm connecting you to border patrol. <laughs> she's like, no. Not like <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many, there's so many smart lines in this story. Ray, we, we've talked about why we're <laughs> talking about Archie versus Predator, but there were so many cool things that I learned about what led up to the creation of this series that I think our listeners <laughs> also would really like to know. Yeah, you were, you were like, oh, here's all these cool facts about how it was made. I was like, I didn't even know that there was a history behind it. I just, I love the comic. But yeah, you, you had a lot of, you did some research on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. <laughs> Archie vs. Predator is a four-issue miniseries that's written by Alex DeCampi and illustrated by Fernando Ruiz, inked by Rick Kozlowski, lettered by John Workman, and colored by Jason Millett. Published by Dark Horse Comics and Archie Comics in 2015. This subject was first suggested at the Archie office and then pitched to Dark Horse. At that time, the Predator license was owned by 20th Century Fox, who has since become 20th Century Studios because it has been acquired by Disney which is why we're now getting the Predator versus Wolverine comic coming out very right. soon, which I am excited about. How about you? Yeah. Would that be considered an interpub? That wouldn't be considered interpublisher anymore, would it? I don't, it's not interpublisher anymore. <laughs> it's, it's just a crossover now between those two entities. We'll see how much. If we ever get a live action Predator or, a, or Xenomorph versus any Marvel here like just do just do an uh, a what if story movie like just do a what if movie with those creatures against marvel heroes i would love that i think this means that arnold schwarzenegger is a disney princess now i agree yep (laughs) princess arnie (laughs) it's canon first disney princess to drop uh, uh, a a cuss word on on screen right Language. Alex DeCampi was a horror writer for Dark Horse at the time and was paired with Archie artist Fernando Ruiz. Outlets had to specify that the crossover was, in fact, not a joke, but actually happening because it was announced at New York Comic Con in 2014, but nobody believed it was real. (laughs) To understand how the crossover actually came to be, we need to jump back to the 90s because, Ray, what was going on in the Mm. 90s? Oh, as far as comics? Yeah. A whole lot of stuff. So there was the split of all these artists that said, we're done with Marvel, we're done with DC, and they made their own things. And some of the most amazing, but like edgy art came out of that. Uh, McFarlane and, you know, Spawn and and all that stuff. So it was very edgy. It was a very edgy decade. Yeah, and, and it was like the height of comics. There was a huge bubble that was growing right. because we had Image come into being, which was just hyping everything up. Those sales numbers were bonkers. And we also had 
companies wanting to do these crossovers to hype up their own sales. So that's why when we really started to get a bunch of these inter-publisher crossovers, like the Marvel versus DC, the Amalgams, like you started seeing these things pop up all over the place. And Archie Comics wanted to get in on what was going on. They wanted to boost sales for Archie Comics. So they're like, mm-hmm. who, who would be good to do a crossover with? And that's what led to the Archie meets the Punisher storyline or the Archie versus Punisher storyline that came out in 1994. And since that time, Archie comics continued to do these fun crossovers with characters from other fictional worlds. In, in 2012, they did a kiss crossover in 2013. They did a glee one, (laughs) both of those being successful for Archie comics. You know, I could see the glee one, especially because I, this in the 2010s is when, um, was it Greendale? The CW uh, Riverdale. Sorry, Riverdale. Yeah. Greendale is the Sabrina. Yeah, Riverdale. Um, that was highly popular, and I feel like there's probably a huge crossover of of uh, your 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 audience base right there. Oh, I absolutely agree with that because we get a whole other band coming out of Archie Comics with Josie and the Pussycats. That's where they originated right. from, and that was right. one of the things. Like, I didn't realize how many properties that I knew about that were actually Archie projects without knowing they were. Archie. So like Josie and the Pussycats, I watched that show a ton as a kid. Growing up watching the live action Sabrina the Teenage Witch show, no idea that came from Archie Comics. Yeah, yeah. There's so many properties out there. It's really interesting to see how the things that might have been the most popular were not even in fact the titular character of the entire publication franchise. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog uh, comics like that. The, the entire Sonic fan base is, uh, it's, it's a deep hole, you know, and it's just like a subsidiary, like a little small sliver of what Archie has to offer. All these really popular series. There, there's so many. And honestly, after reading this crossover, I really do want to read more Archie. I, I very much enjoy the, the Betty and Veronica uh, <laughs> exchanges and like the way they interact well just really the interaction of all the characters which usually i'm not the biggest fan of like the the teenage dramas but it's written right. so sharply it, it it's yeah. so smart the way they play with it and it it definitely like hits that perfect line of humor that i really do enjoy yeah yeah getting back to how this even came to be uh, there was a creative summit for archie that was held in 2014 where they were talking about other potential crossover candidates for the publication Two that were mentioned within the summit that did not become, did not come to fruition were Godzilla and Friday the 13th. <laughs> I can imagine the, the Friday the 13th would be pretty gory as well. The Godzilla one just seems absolutely bonkers. I don't know how they would even make a Godzilla one work. Yeah, because one of the, one of the key uh, charms of the, the Predator one is that it plays out you see both sides, but it's, it's, it's that predator dark, you know, shooting people, blowing them up. But then the high school side of it, it's, it's a slasher film. Yeah. It's, it's a punchy slasher. And it's so interesting that within Archie comics, there's so many times where continuity doesn't really matter. You can kind of kill off characters. They're there back the next issue. It does not matter. And that's what you mm-hmm. get in the series. Characters you might not think would be taken out are very much taken out in graphic <laughs> fashion. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know how much you want to delve into spoilers for it. When we talk about the issues in a second, okay. we are going full spoilers. So cool, uh, cool, cool. all of our <laughs> listeners, I mean, if you're going to get upset about the Archie versus Predator crossover being spoiled, pause it now, go read it because it's a blast and then come back and listen to this. <laughs> You'll not regret it. You will not. Uh, so at that summit, th- they had mentioned Godzilla Friday the 13th, uh, but Predator was the one that received the most support. So that's what they decided to take to Dark Horse slash 20th Century Fox. And the idea was basically greenlit very quickly. They both like Dark Horse, 20th Century Fox were sold on it and they started moving forward. The original title was Archie meets Predator, which is usually what the crossovers for Archie were called. But so many people involved in the production of this of this book unintentionally called it Archie versus Predator that they just straight up changed the name. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it matches the, um, I think you mentioned earlier, it matches the uh, the AVP movies. Yes. Like Alien versus Predator movies, yeah. Yes, so it like Alien versus Predator, Archie versus Predator, they get to use the AVP acronym for it, which they poke jabs at in the issue itself, which is <laughs> another fantastic move by the writing. Uh-huh. Uh, The series was created using traditional means, which means that each page was like illustrated, inked, sent off to go to the next person for colors, sent off the next person for letters. The reason why this book looks so good is because it was done the way comics used to be done. Yeah. Yeah. In 2014, right? That's when this was? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's really impressive because Archie, Archie in general looks very much like you could just do, you can just do digitally and it won't really change the look of it very much. But the, the art in this book is so good. It, it really pops off the page and I appreciate the fact that they put so much love into the project. Yeah. Yeah. The, I feel like Archie, what has, what gives it its charm is how it still looks like, even though the stories are modern um, with the storytelling and the character dynamics, it, it looks like it's a product of its time of when Archie comics first started. And so you get this almost nostalgic feel for a time that you weren't even alive for. Oh, absolutely. I, I was like in this world reading the book. Like I felt like I was in that time period. It just flowed really well. And I'm excited to read more Archie. <laughs> One thing I actually do want to hunt down. Cause I do, I do want to snag the hardcover for this a couple months before this book was originally released. They actually released a promotional ash can for it that had like the first seven or eight pages of the story. And mm. I, I very much am a fan of the ash can comics and getting those previews. So I, I am on the hunt for this one now. I'm, I'm interested to see how difficult it will be to actually get it. I am interested too, because it's not, it's not incredibly niche where you'd have to like meet someone in a back alley for it, yeah. but it's not a back alley comic. <laughs> Yeah, but the Ashcan might be a back alley Ashcan. <laughs> the, probably the thing that blew me away the most was the fact that when this book was released, so in April of 2015, this issue was the best-selling book for both Dark Horse and Archie for that month. I think if you were working at Archie at the time, you are probably pretty stoked, but if you were working at Dark Horse, you might have been questioning some things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, Mike Mignola is like, what the heck? He's <laughs> like, I got beat out by Arch O and Predator. He's like, oh, I'll, like I'll accept the Predator side of things, but anybody, if Mignola is getting beaten out by Archie, that's an interesting side story. 
All right. Well, that's what led to the creation of the New Age AVP. So let's dive a little bit into the comic storyline itself. So, Ray, yeah. wh- where do we begin with Alien or with Archie versus Predator? <laughs> with AVP. Um, okay, let's see here. I think the, the, the whole gang, they win a, a cruise um, from uh, a bag of chips yep. that Jughead was eating. From Tato Chip. Tato chip, yeah, um, and they went a they went an all inclusive cruise to some jungle island in the middle of nowhere, and the rich kid friends or not friends the 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 jocks the bullies whatever they hear about this so they decide well we're gonna crash their party so it's kind of like you know hard cut to them on the jungle island and everybody um, getting ready for for beach time and all that stuff high school drama ensues of course. <laughs> Betty, I believe the next day she is kind of put off by a, a swimsuit contest or something like that. Uh, very, again, very indicative of like the 40s and 50s style of writing. Um, and so she storms off into the woods. She finds some ancient temple with a dagger in it, I believe. That, that's the other thing about this comic is how many different tropes of different either horror movies or other style things they bring in together it's not just archie versus predator it's betty finds a cursed dagger from an aztec temple versus predator versus sabrina spellman versus yes. <laughs> yeah it's all over the place i believe the jocks you know the, the rich kids are there too slashing bush down as they're going through the woods or the, the jungle looking for this temple that Betty found and then they disappear. Yes. And next thing we know, Betty and everybody make up, but just above them. I love this shot. Me too. It is. Yeah. It's like Archie up until this point, pan up, predators above them, spines dangling from <laughs> the, the jungle canopy, bloods everywhere. It's like, oh, okay, they're they're going for it. Yeah, that that is the moment that the book takes like a hard left turn for you because yeah. earlier in the story, so like you mentioned, like they win a giveaway because Jughead's eating Tato chips and they win this <laughs> getaway to Los Perdidos Resort, which is literally the lost resort. They walk up onto the beach and one of my favorite Easter eggs is Dutch's beach bar. So it's literally Arnold's character from the Predator <laughs> film. It's his beach bar. Oh, yeah. And, and the bartender is like a tall, jacked, blonde dude. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's so many fun Easter eggs for the Predator franchise in this comic. It's amazing. Yeah. There is a there's a shooting star the first night, but it actually ends up being the Predator ship. But you see all of them making wishes on the shooting star and right. their their wishes come true in varying degrees in interesting ways, which is a lot of fun. Like you mentioned, so there's the, the rich kids that are kind of going off. It's, I th- oh, what are their names? They're, they're like the brother Cheryl? and sister. Is it Charlotte, Cheryl, something like that? Yeah. But they're the, like the redheaded uh, siblings that are trying to find this, uh, what do they call it? It is some temple. It's like the, jag- the Jaguar Shrine. So there's a Jaguar mm-hmm. temple. And they're trying to find it. Betty accidentally finds it after a, like you mentioned, the this best dressed contest goes awry because they're trying to figure out who is going to be best dressed for the yearbook. Betty ends up wearing something that she borrows from the rich redheaded friend. Veronica gets really mad. They fight. 
Betty goes off into the forest, finds this temple, accidentally steals the dagger, uh, which in, leads to like them getting cursed and Predator starts going after all of them. Right, right. Because she mentions something about like wanting, like wishing two people were dead or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and I actually have it in my notes. It's Cheryl and Jason. They were the ones that are, they're killed by the Predator. So you literally see their spines dangling <laughs> from the trees. It's such a great, like from the top down of the canopy shot. So smart. The lead in to the canopy shot too, shot too is, is Betty and Veronica and Archie all making up, but Every panel, there's like a drip of red yes, on their yes. shoulders. <laughs> it's so good. And how they don't realize it. Because by the end of it, they're like <laughs> soaked in blood, but they never talk about it at all, which is even more funny. <laughs> at this point, everyone's kind of shaken up. So they decide, you know what? We're just going to go home. We're leaving the retreat. For some reason, the predator, well, now that the predator is kind of like hunting them, he just hangs out in one of their suitcases. <laughs> yeah. They just make a joke about this being really heavy. Yeah, the the tropey and campy humor in it is is so good. It's rife with it. Like you said, that's just these quick punches of humor. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And we talked about this before we even hit record was the the fun like little mini comics that you get at the end of each of these issues. And the first one is so cool because I think it's actually something my co-host brought up of wanting a specific crossover in comics, which is Sabrina meets Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. Hellboy sneaks into the room in the middle of the night and you, you think, oh, um, like Sabrina's watching TV with, with uh, uh, Salem on, on the armchair and uh, you think, oh, Hellboy's here to maybe like exercise a witch or something. Uh -huh. And Salem hisses. And he's like, I'm not here for her. I'm here for you. And he's like, my papers, they have been good ever since I left Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It, it's fun though. I, I was like taken off guard because I literally, we literally talked about this potential crossover in another episode and it's, it's been made like it's there, which oh, is a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so now issue two starts off. They are back in Riverdale and they're at the, the diner pop is there and he's like the guy that <laughs> runs the diner and he's like bringing mm -hmm. a cake to for the now. table. He runs the diner for now. Yes. For now. Because, uh, the three dots show up on screen that you can expect when a predator is involved and pop's head just gets straight up blown off. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think that's the second page of the issue, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so you open it, you see them in the diner, you flip the page and there's blood everywhere. Basically. Yeah. That's how that physically reads. That's amazing. It's so good. Uh, so obviously at this point, Betty's like, oh no, the curse has followed me to Riverdale because she doesn't realize she still has the dagger until she's on the plane leaving Los Perdidos Resort. So now it just kind of goes on this ride of Betty and Veronica going to Greendale to see Sabrina to help out with this curse. What happens when they go to Greendale, Ray? <laughs> um, well... We get to see Sabrina. We get to interact with Sabrina. It's it's a fun time. Sabrina's a cool character. Her like edgy, dark humor, and then she puts on a ram's head mask, starts uh, trying to uh, summon Yog Sagoth or whatever yes. from mm -hmm. I think, which is a Hellboy, um, uh, like within that ethos too, oh, as well as so like I didn't Cthulhu. Catch that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Hellboy uses a Cthulhu mythos a lot, so it's kind of a, a intermix. Um, and then 
a predator knife appears from the center of her ribs from behind and she's taken out spine ripped out head pulled off classic predator style it's great it's so, it's such a good panel and and the way they show predator entering the room uh, showing invisibility but obviously we can still see predator in a way so he's like yeah. translucent which is really well done, but you see like the daggers like from his gauntlets going through Sabrina, Betty and Veronica are freaking out because they're like some invisible monster just ripped they their friend's head off. Yes, oh, the the <laughs> line is so good, and I actually I took a uh, I took a picture of the actual line because in the chaos, uh, Betty is like taking video and she's able to <laughs> stop a still and she can see the predator's head. It's Veronica that's sees the photo and says, Betty, it's horrible. We're being hunted by ninjas with terrible hairdos. <laughs> the hairdo comes into play later too with uh, with with Betty near the end, which is funny. That's also true. That's right. <laughs> At that point, the, the dagger, the jaguar dagger actually shatters uh, because they try to use it against the predator, but Correct. it actually like reforms. So it becomes like liquid and reshapes itself. So right. this this dagger isn't just some random relic. It's it's straight up looks like venom piecing itself back together. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the, there's there's the B plot. It's like why is this dagger doing this? There's the B plot. It's it's nice how they implement like so many different interweaving storylines through there. I thought that the curse was just like in Betty's head and that the curse really is just the predator. But no, there's straight up a curse that's also yeah. <laughs> involved in the storyline. So how bad of a day could it be when you're like just going on vacation? Not only do you start become hunted by a predator, but you also get cursed by an ancient jaguar shrine temple. <laughs> yeah, I think even Sabrina was like, oh, you're into some deep shit. Yep. Mm -hmm. she's like this is <laughs> this is not good for you we need to take care of this and then sabrina gets skewered mm -hmm. so they go back to riverdale and they say okay things are really bad we need to fix this all of the policing in riverdale are missing now because they've all gone to greendale where right. the spellman residents because of the the deaths that were going on over there then they go and find a whole bunch of bodies because there's a bunch of bodies buried at the Spellman residence. It's a mass grave. Yeah. So all of the cops have left Riverdale to go over to Greendale to figure out what the heck is going on over there. I do want to specify, though, there's only two cop cars. That's true. All of yeah. All <laughs> two cop cars from from Riverdale have gone to Greendale. <laughs> So at this point, the, the teenagers kind of meet up. They want to meet at the school. And one of the characters' uh, dad, so General Keller, is, is in the military. He knows about Predator. So you get a little bit of like explanation of what's going on, of what they are. I think all in one panel. Yes. They, mm -hmm. they info dump all of the Predator scenario into one panel. Because they want the funny, hilarious things to spread out. <laughs> that you, like this basic info, you don't need to know a ton about it. Just know he's a killer. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know this, where have you been? <laughs> exactly. You find out that this is a teenage Predator because, of course, Archie and gang are going to be <laughs> attacked by a teenage Predator. The general brings in a whole bunch of guns and artillery, and you have the, the bigger group. So it's not just like Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica. You also have characters like Moose and Kevin and Chuck and Dilton. And there's a whole bunch of different characters, many of them I didn't even know about before reading this issue, honestly. But they're, they're basically cannon fodder for <laughs> the rest of this <laughs> issue because they go and try and fight the Predator. Uh, Jughead dresses up as 
Veronica, who is one of the people that is cursed. Like the predator's going after Veronica, not Betty. It's actually Veronica that's cursed. Uh, Midge gets killed. <laughs> there, there is this all-out <laughs> explosion of a fight. The explosion, that part, I love too because it's a, it's a bit of an homage to, um, you know, the first predator. Yes. As far as blowing himself up, he, he gets captured by the predator. He, you know, he, I think he's pretending he's Veronica. The predator comes up, grabs him, and he's like, "I have something for you," and it's a grenade. Yes. It's it's perfect. There's they do such a they do a great job of just bringing in all those Easter eggs throughout and mm-hmm. they, they just spread them. And it's it's just such a fun read. Jughead finds the Jaguar dagger in Veronica's purse. He's like, what the heck is this thing? He goes back to the high school. And basically at this point, the only ones that are left alive are Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead and Dilton, who is like the the really nerdy friend that is part of the. Uh, what's it called? The yearbook club. And he's being more involved with this one, but he's also kind of obsessive with Betty as well. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of idolizes Archie's, his, his central position within a love triangle. Yeah. All of them are at the high school. Predator comes to the high school and more chaos ensues. We get Jughead, who is distracted by trying to steal food from the vending machine, is uh, has his spine ripped out and left in the vending machine itself. Yeah, he he reaches for the debt for money, finds the dagger and since he's holding the weapon, the predator is like, you are now a valid target. I love the line, too, that Veronica says when they find Jughead's body. Yes. Um, His head is amongst a pile of junk food and she says juggy didn't i always say junk food would kill you it's so good and at this point so now we just have archie betty veronica and dilton and for some reason dilton has <laughs> pieced together an archie mech suit that that's right a mech suit that looks like our titular character archie in order to fight the predator <laughs> Yeah, it goes haywire. The thing starts to like want to kill everybody, not just the predator. Yes. Um, and because of that, I think it tries to kill Betty specifically. Mm-hmm. And does it end up killing any of or, or injuring any of the, the final people left? I don't remember. I, I think it almost injures Veronica at one point. But right. then he's he's able to attack the predator for a second. Then the helmet or the Archie's robot head opens up to show Dilton. And that's when the predator takes out Dilton, who is now right. out of the story. And that's the right. end of issue three. So we have at this point, I think, I don't know if Archie's been attacked yet. I think it's in the fourth issue because we have Dilton gets killed and Archie gets stabbed in the shoulder, which basically takes him out for the rest of this issue. And that's where issue three ends. So in issue four, uh, Betty and Veronica are crying over Archie and Predator is basically like, they're not a threat. So he just bounces. He just leaves them alone. Uh, Veronica won't pick up the the Jaguar blade. So Predator is basically like, I'm not interested in this if you're not going to fight back. But right. we, we learned that no matter what Veronica does, the blade keeps coming back to her, which is why they need to kill. You find out that they need to kill two people or two things need to die using the blade in order for the curse to be lifted. So Dilton was actually killed by the blade. So only one more thing needs to be killed in order for the curse to be lifted. 
we actually learn too that this love triangle becomes a love square. Uh, I think it's in the beginning of the fourth issue. They're about to kill. He's about to. He's going to kill them. He tries to hand Veronica the dagger, and he walks away. He just says, "Betty." Right. Yeah. The predator <laughs> starts to have an infatuation with Betty for some reason, which definitely comes into play later. Uh, we are now at Veronica's home, which is obviously decked out because she is also super loaded. We have, she has a, a safe house within her home or a safe room, and she's going to set the house to self-destruct in order to lure the predator in and then kill it. Uh, Veronica, for some reason, also has a special medical machine, which is able to save Archie's life. So they put Archie in this thing and it magically heals him perfectly fine. Shoulders all good. A little too fine. A little too fine. Uh, yeah. Do you want to explain what happens after he gets put in the machine? <laughs> So she's like hitting all the dials and the buttons to to fix them. And she's like, I can't read any of this and I don't have time. So she just turns the thing all the way up to 11, walks away, you know, gives him a kiss on the cheek, walks away. And there's a sign, a note, a little note, sticky note underneath that says, don't turn up any more than four. And <laughs> so he gets extra healed. There's like a there's like one of those uh, horror movie scene panels where his body's like exploding into warts and, and growing uh, two times its size. You find out that uh, Archie might have gotten a little bit souped up because uh, <laughs> Veronica and Betty start fighting the predator that shows up right when it looks like Betty and Veronica are going to be done for. We get the iconic handshake from Predator, <laughs> but it is between a predator and this super jacked Archie, who has become a super soldier because of this medical machine. Yeah, it is the best. I think to me, that is the best panel, mostly for the, yeah. But what we basically see is a spread across the page of, of, you know, so Predators like swipes towards Veronica's head and then Archie catches the hand. And it's that iconic, Uh you know, Dylan, you son of a bitch scene (laughs) from the first Predator movie. Oh, it's so good. Uh, another great little Easter egg. Uh, and, and then the fight goes on. We get Predator actually stabs Veronica. Betty's arm gets cut off by the Predator. <laughs> uh, Archie is killed by the Predator because he's stabbed through the head with the gauntlets on his arm. Right. That just leads to a one-armed Betty and Veronica attacking the Predator. Betty stabs the Predator with the cursed blade and the curse is broken. It like evaporates. Right. They're just left there, but they're not able to turn off the self-destruct of the house. It shows, a, like you said, the house explosion. It's from Veronica's point of view next. She wakes up and it turns out that uh, Betty saved them both. And also uh, a third passenger came along and got saved from the explosion. Yeah. So surprisingly, Betty gets to the panic room to survive the explosion. Uh, brings Veronica into the safe room with her to, in order to put her in that same medical machine. But the Predator crawled. So s- for some reason, the curse is broken because Predator was stabbed and apparently dead, but he didn't actually die. <laughs> but he crawls into the safe room with them <laughs> because the Predator is like obsessed with Betty. Right. Right. And so uh, she puts him into that same medical machine and has basically plastic surgery being done to him to turn him into Archie. Yeah, so they don't lose Archie. The Predator gets transformed into Archie using this medical machine. And their explanation for it is because it won't be that different because the Predator is devoted to them, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 
I guess. So now they basically have an Archie that is obsessed with the both of them versus the both of them being obsessed with Archie. That's honestly all they've wanted. It's a win-win situation. That's true. They still have an Archie. Uh, and, you know, he's probably a better fighter than the old one used to be. Yeah, yeah. He's probably, he'll probably be less wishy-washy, too. He'll be equally devoted to both of them. Uh, yep, that's good stuff. And I'm really curious because there is a, a second series to this crossover. It, it mm. It's more realistic art than this one because this is like the classic Archie look to it. But I'm curious if it's a through line of now the Archie is actually the Predator Archie. Or if they just reset altogether, which is usually what Archie comics do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I um I haven't read it, so I would be curious to know that as well. Yeah, we'll have to re- revisit <laughs> for another episode covering the second crossover between these two. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So overall thoughts, what did you think of the series? Would you recommend this comic to anyone? Absolutely. I think this series is great if you like horror films um it's it's definitely an homage like some things are good because they're original and new some things are good because they remind you of all the things that you love and archie is like this this blend of of high school drama humor um as well as like uh alien slasher film it's just a wonderful combo and like i was saying earlier it really takes these two things that are completely unrelated and juxtaposes them together these two stories and both are made stronger because of it like the 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 humor amongst all the murder yes it's great yeah it is a fantastic dark comedy thriller slasher I also love how the uh, Predator, um, since he's a teenager, the sounds, the the dialogue that he has is all just emojis. Yes, which is something that Alex DeCampi, she actually want, thought she couldn't get away with it. She's like, when I put the emojis as the, as the, the dialogue for the Predator, I did not think that was going to get through, and it <laughs> did. But then there were other <laughs> things she thought for sure were going to get through, and then they were not allowed to go through. Oh, I wonder what kind of stuff didn't get let through. There, there's a few things that it shows on like the the wiki for this particular crossover that some things that mm-hmm. didn't get through. But yeah, I I really am curious what else was like thought of. What a, what what storyline would have been thought of for like the Godzilla? What we could have gotten with Friday the Thirteenth? Oh my god! There's a lot of questions yeah. I have. I want more Archie crossovers with a bunch of different things. Yeah, the Godzilla thing is interesting too because Godzilla isn't a horror movie per se. It's it's more like a natural disaster movie yeah. with you know, the natural disaster just has a face. Yeah, I feel like you would have to make it more of the um, uh, Cloverfield type of thing where it's like their story as they're oh. trying to like get through a city as things are just getting destroyed. Because if you just have like Mothra and like King Ghidorah wow. and everything in the background, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I wasn't as interested in the idea of Godzilla meets Archie until now. That is, right. yeah, man, Cloverfield was genre defining or genre flipping. Yeah, uh, found footage films. It's uh, it made them like in the spotlight. Yeah, good times. Well, Ray, this was so much fun to talk about this crossover. But again, the more important thing is we need to let our listeners know about. The Kickstarter. So why don't you let everyone know finally, like, again, everything about the Kickstarter and where they can support and, and all that other good stuff. 
Yeah, you can find my project um, on Kickstarter if you just search Wastelands number one um, or, you know, by Ray Cabornai. But it'll also be in my uh, Instagram handle, um, B-U-N-D-O-K underscore Breezy, Boondock Breezy. Um, or lesser known comics will be posting about it on their stories and in their posts. But uh, yeah, go ahead, run over there, check out the comic, check out the, the pitch. And um, if you like it, you know, go ahead and back it. And you can also, you'll also be able to find lesser known comics profile through my Kickstarter page and you'll be able to catch up on all the things that they have going on. I think simultaneously we'll be running about two or three campaigns. So um, if you want to check out those as well, um, I think Dusk Witch and maybe uh, Rabbit Man will be, will be running at the same time. Um, and then you can find lesser known comics at, at lesser known comics on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, just check everybody out. Just have a good time and, and, and find all these different artists that you like, because the indie scene is really making a, a explosive comeback right now. Um, beyond just, I wouldn't even call vertigo and IDW and image indie anymore. They're now their own thing. Um, so now that they're not indie, there's space for these, you know, in-home publications to come out. So I'm really excited to see what the next five years will look like in the industry. Yeah, it's very exciting. And very excited to support Lesser Known Comics, excited to support Wastelands number one. It is out now. Everybody go support it. It came out yesterday if you are listening to the <laughs> release date drop for this episode. So go and check it out. Link in the show notes of this very episode. Ray, which I said your name apparently wrong earlier so it's how do you pronounce your last name <laughs> oh so uh, it's my pen name um it's my grandmother's maiden name on my mom's side uh we're filipino it's kabornai um but my real last name is rainsberger it's just nice to be able to keep it separate for career purposes <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds nice it's time to close the book on this crisis on infinite crossovers archie versus predator issue so until next time this is lance and this is ray reminding you to keep your friends close but your comic books closer.